I'm back, baby. Oh, my double crap. Do you know who I am? No, but maybe if you hum a few bars. Yes, sir, random kid I just met. You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee. I am the low rating that cancels your program. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Don't be jealous because I'm attractive. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious. Let me laugh even harder. It's time to check the link. I like that. I didn't do anything wrong because I can't do anything wrong. Hooray! People are paying attention to me. It's all in sports. Game on, everyone. It is all in sports, and it is all in for a big show today, this week, because it's Christmas week, because it's the holidays, because we have New Year's coming up, and I'm sure a lot of people are out there traveling, hanging out with friends and family, doing a lot of other things besides worrying about fantasy football, because hopefully you're not playing Week 17 for your championship, although if you are, you can always go to theathletic.com, and I still have rankings for you crazy people this week. I still had a waiver column. I got everything. Uh, if you haven't signed up yet, don't know why you haven't, theathletic.com slash allinsports will get you 30% off, so you can make sure you do that. But it's a big show. I figured a good final show to the year, as in the 2018 season, and the one show I'm doing this week is have most everybody that I had on this year during the football season, guest-wise, come on and either talk about their best pick, their worst pick, both. A look back and hopefully a look back that helps you learn from it. Learn from the, hey, one, we're not perfect. Two, where we were thinking, where, you know, what these things we're going to develop as, why we were on these guys, why we're excited or off of, or basically, like I said, help you learn where our strategy and thought process comes from and hopefully, hopefully, have a better 2019 season. So there's a lot here, a lot of great guests. And I'll add a little commentary along the way, of course. And I'll give you mine at the end if you want to stick around for that. Yes, what a surprise. I could be wrong. But we'll talk about that at the end. And uh, so let's, take, let's kick things off. Game on, everyone. It is all in sports. And it is all in for a big show today, this week, because it's Christmas week, because it's the holidays, because we have New Year's coming up. And I'm sure a lot of people are out there traveling, hanging out with friends and family, doing a lot of other things besides worrying about fantasy football because hopefully you're not playing week 17 for your championship. Although if you are, you can always go to theathletic.com and I still have rankings for you crazy people this week. I still had a waiver column. I got everything. Uh, if you haven't signed up yet, don't know why you haven't, theathletic.com slash all in sports will get you 30% off so you can make sure you do that. But it's a big show. I figured a good final show to the year, as in the 2018 season, and the one show I'm doing this week is have most everybody that I had on this year during the football season, guest-wise, come on and either talk about their best pick, their worst pick, both. A look back and hopefully a look back that helps you learn from it. Learn from the, hey, one, we're not perfect. Two, where we were thinking, where, you know, what these things we're going to develop as why we were on these guys, why we're excited or off of, or basically, like I said, help you learn where our strategy and thought process comes from and hopefully, hopefully have a better 2019 season. So there's a lot here, a lot of great guests. And I'll add a little commentary along the way, of course, and I'll give you mine at the end if you want to stick around for that. Yes, what a surprise. I could be wrong. But We'll talk about that at the end. And uh, so let's, take, let's kick things off. So I'm pretty sure that Mike wouldn't be so happy to see the last two weeks of Amari Cooper now. Uh, at the time when we were talking about it, Cooper had been great. But it, you know what? I, look, I love you, Mike. You're, you're one of my favorite in the business. You're one of the superest, nicest dudes in the world. Superest, nicest guys out there. And it really makes me happy and it really makes me smile as if you can't hear me smiling through this right now that Amari Cooper and Jared Cook both failed owners miserably and completely in the final two weeks of the season because I hate both those guys. And this is exactly why. Because if you can tell me the five or six good games they're going to have, sign me up. I'll give them to me because I know they're going to be top 10. But you can't, and you can't do it. This is what we get into, and there's always excuses for Mario Cooper. Well, now he's with a new team. Now he's with the Cowboys, and everything's going to be different until the final two weeks of the season when he lets you down. But I will say that, you know, look, 
things could change for next year. Maybe Amari Cooper has some – look, he's still very young. And I know I said look like 10 times right there, but there's still hope. But i got to take up too much time. I want to jump into the next one, so let's jump into the next one. Hey, everybody. It's your favorite guest for All In Sports, Scott Bogman of InThisLeague.com. You can find me at Bogman Sports. I'm uh, there doing baseball, basketball, football, and college football. I'm on FNTSY with the Welsh. I'm on NBA Sound System talking about basketball. I'm all over the place. So you can find me anywhere you could possibly want. And Jake has told me to pimp myself in this and uh, give my good call of the year. Well, that would have to be Christian McCaffrey. And uh, I didn't think he was going to have this many touches, 288. But he's fourth in yards from scrimmage behind only Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, and Saquon Barkley. He's second in PPR scoring behind Gurley, and he is third in standard scoring behind Gurley and Barkley. He was definitely my right choice of the year. I didn't think he was going to have 97.7% of the snaps, but he has been really, really good. And if you listened to me and drafted him, you're probably still playing this week. So good luck to you. That was my great call of the year. And uh, I mean, I had some bad ones too, but we're not going to talk about those. So uh, I will see you later. Please find me at Bogman Sports. And go to InThisLeague.com. Good old Scott, quick and to the point, Christian McCaffrey. And, uh, yeah, there was – obviously, we laughed and joked. And at the beginning of the season, a lot of people said, ah, Ron Rivera, whatever. Sure, 25 touches a game. Yeah, maybe even 30. Okay, you're just going to get Christian McCaffrey killed. But at any point, it worked out terrifically. We were all 100% wrong. Like, even the – the biggest supporters of Christian McCaffrey did not see this coming. Like there was still concern that CJ Anderson was going to get involved a little bit. And what we just saw last week for the Rams is kind of why we thought because there's a lot left in CJ Anderson. Not that we expect him to do that every single week, but in any case, kudos to Bogman. I guess he didn't want to give his bad pick. I'll, I'll ask him in person. I'll let you guys know on the side. Like, Oh, Hey Jake, what's up all in kid. Uh, first time, long time, really good to be on here. Uh, got a question for you. Week 17 ranks. Uh, where can I find those? The link? Oh, okay. Well, let me ask you another question. You really got that guy above that guy? Would you take that guy over that guy really, though? Even though you clearly stated it on your sheet, you're really going to do that? Okay, well, let me tell you why you're wrong. All right, enough of that. That was fun. Hi, Jake. What's up, my friend? It is Chris Welsh, a.k.a. The Welsh, over at In This League, all the In This League podcasts, the stuff we do over on fan tracks with the Fantasy Black Book, our dear friend Joe Pizapia, our mutual friend, baseball, basketball, football. We do a whole bunch of stuff. We try to make you laugh. We try to entertain you. And we try to keep you listening. And we'd like to try to steal some listeners from Jake. That'd be sweet, too. All right, I like what you're doing here. So we're talking about the best and worst. Hopefully everybody is copying up to some worse here. Let's get that one out of the way. I've got probably one of my worst calls this year. I'm not going out and picking like a first or second round pick, though I don't think I had any horrible calls in that direction in the first place. I mean, maybe Devontae Freeman. Not that I was super big on him, but, you know, he was a possibility late in the round. Uh, by the way, I did love Joe Mixon late in the round. But how about this? This is the guy I probably had the most shares of this year, and probably like any of us, usually the guy we have the most shares of is a later round guy. I could not have been more wrong about Eagles running back Corey Clement. I swear to you, I probably had six or seven shares in my 11 leagues. Yes, J.J. was coming in. I hated J.J. There's something I could say I guess I was right about. Hated J.J. and a lot of those middle guys, you know, the Lamar Millers and stuff, hated that clump of garbage running backs. And knowing what the Eagles do and the early conversations that Corey Clement was going to be involved in this offense. And he had a really good opportunity, I felt, in the second half to take a major boost, you know, get the opportunity. We all knew J.H.I. was going to get hurt. So when that happened, Corey Clement time. <laughs> it didn't work out. Corey Clement, week two, three, and four were okay. Week uh, two, 85 total yards. He had five catches in the game with a touchdown. Week four, 11 carries with a touchdown. And then he completely dropped off the planet. He had two games of double-digit carries. And even though the massive injuries kept mounting up for the Eagles, Corey Clement was garbage. One of the worst calls I had this year and dropped every single share very early on. Now, how about a good call? One thing that Scott Bogman and I talked a ton about and I uh, pounded the table for and I did in my own actions was the second half Nick Chubb run that was going to happen. To Bogman's credit, it was the conversation started around how the Browns would just run Carlos Hyde into the ground. But my push was always that Nick Chubb was the most talented player, and by the second half of the season, he was going to have this job. Even before coming down, I mean, we came down a little bit on Nick Chubb thinking of how much Carlos Hyde was going to have a run. 
but I got Nick Chubb in a ton of spots because I fully believed he was going to get the run. Don't even know if I expected him to be as good as he was, and it happened earlier than I thought. I thought it was going to happen maybe more around like week eight or nine, you know, around the Kansas City-Pittsburgh time, but sure enough, I believe it was week seven where he got his first 18 carries, his highest carry game, 80 yards and a touchdown. Nick Chubb hopefully taking people to the playoffs. That would be my good call. Well, we all have bad calls, I guess, right? Well, you can tell me about it, I suppose. On Twitter, at IsItTheWelsh, that's where you can follow me. Please do, and um, I'll just hang up and take your answer offline. Bye, Jake. First of all, Chris, of course, yes, you can hashtag check the link for week 17. As I said, there are rankings this week. Second of all, you guys know I love the Nick Chubb call. You guys know how much I love Nick Chubb in general. And to be honest, I'm really, I'm not happy that Chris got this wrong, but I'm happy that he brought up Corey Clement because I hated Corey Clement this year. And it wasn't Corey Clement so much. It was the entire Eagles backfield. You know this. I kept telling you guys the entire year is I don't want anything to do with them. Doug Peterson insists on a committee. And what have we seen at the end of the season was Darren Sproles. Let, there you go. Let that be a lesson to you guys next year. Even if, hell, even if the Eagles sign Le'Veon Bell, it's not going to be the Le'Veon Bell we saw get 90% of the touches with the Steelers. He'll still be RB1. I, and I hate to say that as the Eagles running back. And you know what? There's honestly a chance he might not be because Doug Peterson insists on not giving anybody those kind of touches. So let that be a lesson for the Eagles. I don't see them signing Le'Veon Bell anyway. But speaking of Nick Chubb, let's get to the next one. Hey, this is Mike Wright, the fantasy hitman from the Fantasy Footballers podcast. What's going on, everybody? Talking about biggest hits, biggest misses of the 2018 season. Without a doubt, my biggest miss of the year <sighs> Rob Gronkowski, the first year, the very first year ever in the existence of Rob Gronkowski where I advised drafting him. I thought the price was right. I thought the production was going to be there. Everything lined up for Gronk, everything except for the production. He has absolutely vanished, been a complete and total bust for where you took him in drafts, and, and he has let me down on a very, very personal level. Hurt my heart, hurt my feelings. My biggest hit, I would say, so far of the season would have to be Nick Chubb. And the reason I say Nick Chubb is literally the week before Carlos Hyde was traded away to the Jacksonville Jaguars, I started telling people, now is the time to pick up Nick Chubb. He's the kind of guy who has the talent to be a league-winning type of running back. You have to pick him up. Start stashing him now. Lo and behold, which I did not expect him to trade Carlos Hyde. I just thought picking up Nick Chubb at that point was a good move. Boom. Carlos Hyde traded. Boom. Nick Chubb instantly becomes a running back one despite his kind of down week 15 performance. So there it is. Biggest miss, Rob Gronkowski. Biggest hit, Nick Chubb. Follow me on Twitter, at FFHitman. Okay, bye. So back to Nick Chubb. Yes, this is this is the Nick Chubb fan fest portion of the show. Uh, you again, you guys know telling you guys about him in the preseason that people forgot so quickly that this kid was argued as the better running back than Todd Gurley when he was in college before his injury. And then since the injury, you, obviously when you tear up your knee that bad, there's always questions. But he got got back to about 90, 95% of what we saw before that injury. And hell, that's still a damn good running back. And he's looking like he's getting close to 100%. Guaranteed first rounder for me next year. I love that Mike loves him. And I kind of love that Gronk failed this year. Again, not coming after the person that said this. You look, I had Gronk number one, two at tight end. I just... And then here's another one for you guys to learn from. I'm very quick to adjust and admit I was wrong. Everybody was wrong. Nobody, nobody expected Gronk to fall off this much. But if you also remember around the middle of the season, I said the dude's toast. There's no hope. Move on. And oh my God, the backlash from the Patriots fans. Woo. It was, woo. I got to tell you. But I was right. And I'm not like saying, oh, look, I was right at the end. No, it's just you got to adjust. You can't. This is one of the things, too, is people like don't make trades. They hold on too long. They don't want to sell low. They don't want to look towards the future and what might be changing on the team. They don't want to adjust their rankings or their opinion. And there's going to be one I'm going to give you at the end where I did so proof to be told. And I didn't do one on another. But the Gronkowski was, you know what? Don't let your blinders, your whether it's fandom, whether it's you invested a lot in that player, once the draft is over, cost means nothing. Be willing to move on. So let's keep it going with the fantasy footballers. 
Hey, this is Jason Moore from the Fantasy Footballers Podcast, and I'm here to uh, talk about, you know, I wanted to talk about a wide receiver. I could bring up Juju, who I was in love with, Adam Thielen, who I was in love with, but I thought, nah, let's let's shame myself here instead, and I'm going to go with my preseason MVP pick of Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin was coming up on the injury reports with a knee issue right before the season, and he dipped in ADP. I mean, you could get him in the fourth round, and it was a steal. That's why he became my MVP. I bought the injury dip, and that's the lesson I want to remember for next year is the injury dip has not panned out well for so many players. If you are uh, like me, where you are usually risk adverse near the top of drafts, I want to hammer that home next year. And remember to not buy the injury dips. If you want more tips from us and the fantasy footballers, you can follow me on Twitter at Jason FFL or follow the main show at the FF ballers. So just like Jason, that was really high on Adam Thielen. That was higher than Adam Thielen, then Stefan Diggs. I wrote an article breaking down why. And actually, this late season, somebody asked me in a chat on The Athletic about this whole situation with Thielen at the end of the season, our teams figuring them out. Uh, a look ahead to next year, just so you guys know, is the article talked about the fact that Kirk Cousins throws to the out, struggles throwing to the outside and that Stefan Diggs has actually been the better performer than Adam Thielen on the outside. So Thielen in the slot with Kirk Cousins as good as he is throwing to the slot was excitable as you can get for a player this year. And that was everything. That, the, few, the last few weeks, though, all of a sudden they started moving down and feeling out more, which that's the concern. You watch that for next year when it comes to Diggs and Thielen, especially if Diggs is going to move back into the slot. But uh, that aside, I was with Jason, and I was with Jason on the uh, Doug Baldwin situation. I didn't have him quite as high, but it was kind of that, you know what, I'll take him at a discount. Injury optimism often bites us a lot, and I don't mean just us as in the experts or you guys listening, but just in general. One of the things to learn from this as well is when players are about to come back from injury, that's a really good time to sell high because people always think they're going to be 100% what they were before. And you have cases like Andrew Luck, which is another one of the good call by myself and other people as well. Those situations do happen, but more often than not, players are not usually what they were before. And even if they are, if you're selling them at that 100% expectancy, you're getting at worst case scenario in even trade. And you're just getting rid of all the risk. Hashtag don't buy all the risk, as I tell you every single year. One more fantasy footballer, though. Let's get in Andy to round them out. What's up, Jake? This is Andy Holloway from the Fantasy Footballers Podcast. You can, you know, you can follow us on Twitter at the FF Ballers, but... You wanted us to come in and talk about our best call, maybe the worst call of the year, and uh, not focus on propping up Philip Lindsay and Patrick Mahomes, both of which we obviously did. But I'm going to say the best calls of the year were actually identifying some regression candidates and some bust candidates heading into the new year. That is just as important, I think, as looking towards the breakout candidates. And before the season began, some of the big names that we brought up in the bust section of the Ultimate Draft Kit were names like Alshon Jeffrey and Carson Wentz, Evan Ingram with the big regression alert, not being able to repeat what he did coming into his second full season, Jimmy Graham, Devin Funches. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm not going to take a victory lap for that, but he counts as well. Ronald Jones and even Derrick Henry and Deshaun Watson, just not the same player that fantasy owners expected. And it's important to identify those guys. So ultimately, looking back at the past year, I'm going to choose to go with the guys you should have avoided, the guys you should have had different expectations for, and ultimately would have avoided in the draft if you didn't draft them based on what they did last year. So that would be the victory lap I would take on some of our picks from the past year. And uh, look, let's let's keep it going. Enjoy the fantasy playoffs, the Christmas season. Farewell from the Fantasy Footballers Podcast and Andy Holloway. I was a little bit higher on Carson Wentz, so kudos to Andy on that. Uh, again, you know, the injuries, those always take a factor. You have to worry about that team long-term with Carson Wentz. And, well, I guess not if Nick Foles is going to play like this. But I like how Andy turned into of a, I'm going to positively, negatively talk about people. He kind of combined the two, and then instead of like, the negative, what I missed, and the positive, what I did. It was like a positive. It's a good on the negative. So in any case, love the fantasy footballers. That's all three of them. Let's get back to the non-fantasy footballers. And how about somebody that you hear 
we talk to quite often, and that's Joe Bezabia. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P, Joe Pizzapia, and I'm right here talking all in sports about my favorite hit and miss from the NFL season in fantasy. Jake Seeley calls upon you to do a task on his daughter's wedding day. That's what you do when Jake says to you, Joe, I'd like you to do a little segment for me and try to tell me about your favorite player that you thought was really good and the one you thought was going to be really bad. And it turned out that you were right and then wrong and then right again. So whatever, I'm going to give it to you right here. So first of all, I want to talk about the player that I felt most right about who had a good season, and that's Joe Mixon. Now, I know he missed a couple weeks with an injury there. I know the Bengals are all kinds of disappointing, but for the most part, Joe Mixon was not. Joe Mixon has proven that he is not only an RB1, but going into next year, he's an end of the first round pick. And I feel very confident in that. He's shown you he can handle the passing game. He's shown you he has explosiveness for big time games as well. He's got six rushing touchdowns on the year right now as of week 15 heading into it, and he's got one receiving touchdown. He's going to catch probably around 45 balls or so when all is said and done. That's a really good season. He's probably just going to miss a thousand yards, although he could potentially go over it. Anything is possible, but even so, for a first full season, Joe Mixon's been excellent. And I want to tell you who I've been right about too. Who's been crap? You know who's been crap? Dion Lewis. That's right. Dion Lewis has been crap. Now, crap relative to what he was a year ago on the Patriots, which was my whole point and my warning. The Tennessee Titans are not the Patriots. I know, newsflash, but look, here you go. I'm talking about a guy who, yeah, I understand he's going to catch 50 balls, but you know what? He's going to struggle to break 700 all-purpose yards. You know how many touchdowns he's got on the air rushing? One. You know how many receiving touchdowns he's got? One. So you know what? That's not very good. A lot of people thought he was a lock as a low-end RB1, and they made a big mistake because the Tennessee Titans, again, not the Patriots. Marcus Mariota, (laughs) not Tom Brady. I know, you're shocked. But still, it is what it is. Now, the guy that I'm wrong about, it makes me sad because I had really high expectations for Dalvin Cook again. And injuries, once again, just completely undid his season. And it sucks. It's terrible. After an injury-plagued rookie season, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I didn't want to carry that baggage along with me into 2018. But now it looks like we're all going to have to carry that baggage in 2019. I could see Dalvin Cook falling as... Late as possibly the third round, but with a good preseason, I think he's going to work himself right back in to that second round conversation. We know the talent's there, but the injuries have been the undoing, and unfortunately, in terms of all of my black book first round picks, he's definitely been the most disappointing. So there you have it, my favorite hits and misses from 2018. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope uh, that uh, Jake enjoyed it as well, and uh, I hope Jake leaves me a uh, a nice little box of cannolis for my work. That'll do it for me, Joey B. We'll see you next time, kids. Yeah, I'm with Joe on, uh, you know, you guys know I love Joe Mixon. I also, I love Dalvin Cook. And I don't think, to be fair to Joe and myself and everybody like Dalvin Cook, I don't know where exactly he had him. I was high on him. Uh, I would have to say there was also an article that I wrote and I said Latavius Murray was a legitimate concern to his value. So I moved him down. I said, that's something you definitely have to worry about. Now, the fact is, since we've seen Dalvin Cook finally get to 100%, we see what he is, and I think he's a locked-in RB1 for next year. I think he just maybe took a little bit longer than we expected, and part of that was because Latavius Murray was playing as well as he was. So, there, wow, that was a lot of wasses in there. In any case, they didn't have to force him back, and I think that was part of the problem. But kudos to Joe. Thank you to Joe. Well, let's move it on, and let's do a double here. Let's do a double take of two great guys in the business. I know you love both of them, so let's jump into them. Brad Evans here alongside Brandon Funson from the Fantasy Record Podcast. And Brandon, it's time for us to break out our red pens and play teacher and check over our work over the course of the 2018 fantasy season. What did we hit on? What did we miss on? What was your A plus, 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 remember from a Christmas story, uh, effort of the season? Uh, yes, I haven't watched a Christmas story yet. That's uh, required viewing this holiday season. But yeah, we're here to help out Jake on his pod. He thought it'd be fun to ask a bunch of the experts what their best picks were and, and put them all together for some holiday listening. Happy to help out my colleague at The Athletic. So I'm going to take a victory lap for Pat Mahomes and carry on Johnson. I just looked at my preseason rankings where I was at, you know, compared to the industry average and Pat Mahomes, I had ranked as a QB one back end QB one. But if you look at where people were drafting him on average in August, it was about QB 16 overall. I was like right at QB 11 and 12. 
And so it resulted in me getting him often as a glorified backup on a few teams. And uh, those teams are doing very well. They're all in the playoffs. My three teams in which I got Mahomes, uh, I am in the fantasy playoffs in those leagues. And it's largely because of him. And so that's worked out well. Uh, and then carry on Johnson. I had ranked uh, RB 22 and he was outside the top 30 in industry average uh, for the month of August. Uh, at the running back position. And, you know, the injury late in the season didn't help. But I'm taking a victory lap for him anyways because I actually undersold him. He's, you know, based on per-game average, even being slow played early in the year, um, he's he was RB17 in average. So uh, I love the guy's film when I was kind of looking at the rookies. That's where I fell in love with him. I didn't love the situation he landed in. But you always have to – you always have to bank on talent and know that the cream rises to the top and carry on Johnson's looked great. And I think he's got a great future. So those are the two guys I am most proud of. How about yourself? Uh, myself, I was also in the same boat as you on Patrick Mahomes. I'm ranked as a back in QB one. Uh, how about Josh Adams uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles, a player that I talked about before uh, the season got underway, uh, put him on a pedestal again in September. Said this is a name to watch out for. And I said, eventually the cream rises to the top. And, and that was certainly the case in Philadelphia as he has taken over this backfield. He's been a key cog in some deeper leagues as a back-end RB2, uh, particularly in a standard format. Yeah, he's been TD or bust. But again, you got him for nothing. Got him, and it came out of nowhere. So uh, Josh Adams for me, I'm ringing the bell on. And, and to a certain extent as well, Josh Gordon. Now, <laughs> granted, he didn't live up to the top 12 hype. That I placed upon him, but you know, this is a player that a lot of people were doubting, and he's been every bit a wide receiver too through and through, and is I think pretty much paid off on his round five, six, seven. In some cases, he slipped around <laughs> eight investment. So yeah, I'll do the I, horn can I just, Josh yeah, Gordon. Yeah, I, yeah, okay, fair enough on that one. Can I just say something? We got to pat our both pat our backs for Aaron Jones as well because oh yeah, we're big. One on of that. the theme of our podcast has been that we th- think that Jamal Williams isn't talented. It was garbage that when people were drafting Jamal Williams at Aaron Jones, we were poo-pooing that all along. So uh, we can we can both take a you know we can both be congratulatory to ourselves for that one, and we could also thank Jake for not asking us for our misses because that would require more than a few minutes. Well, I'll just give you my biggest whiff of the season. Don't do it. Don't open that box. Royce Freeman. <laughs> I'm sorry. Dang it! I screwed I gotta, up. I'm an idiot. I got a share in that one as well. I'm. A, you should be a bitter Betsy because I am still purging. From drafting him uh, in a 20-team league, I took him in round two, and that was an immediate death knell. I swallowed a cyanide pill, and my team sucked as a result of it. I was so off on Royce Freeman. Though his advanced analytics are still good, I just didn't expect Philip Lindsay to be this good, though we did oh, talk we up so Philip Lindsay. Oh, we were so blinded by Freeman. That when things started coming about how Lindsay looked good, I remember poo-pooing those things. Whatever, this guy's undrafted. Whatever. It's going to be Royce Freeman. They took him They took him early in the no, draft. No. It's, you know, we're too stubborn. So, yeah, there's a lesson learned there for sure. All right. Uh, I guess that's it. Uh, Funson doesn't want to reveal his hand on his biggest bust of the year. So, Jake, we're going to send it back to you. I guess my coworker Brandon didn't want to really give the negative. I'm going to, I'll call him out. I'll go, that's what I should do. I should go find his. And the, no, I'm not going to do that, though. But you know what? There's, there's a great, like, Brad Evans is probably one of the best of being like, you know what? These were my great calls. Man, pff, no problem. Here's my terrible calls. He, he's one of the ones that will tell you one way or the other. That's how things went. I give Brandon some credit on Mahomes. Look, you guys know, I say, well, I hope you know, because I hope you've been reading me for years, but you know how much I love Mahomes and his potential with Andy Reid. But at the same time, I did not have him as a French QB1. I, I think a lot of people didn't expect him to even nip at the QB1 heels, maybe with the rushing ability, but not to what he's been doing. Definitely not the number one quarterback in all of fantasy. So you know, kudos to Swanson. I give him credit for that. on Johnson, obviously, and, you know, Adams with Evans, everything like that. I was on Royce Freeman, too. That that one hurt. I really, mostly because, as you guys also know, when I said about Philip Lindsay, was that he's Danny Woodhead. And that's not a slight. Danny Woodhead is very good. But also, we saw Danny Woodhead, and what happens to somebody that size in the NFL is the injury concerns when you're that size. So I really thought the lead would be consistently Freeman about 55 60% of the touches. And with that kind of workload and touchdown ability, I was with him. And you know, that, that didn't work out. I was not expecting Lindsay to be that good. Actually, that's one thing I told everybody before they came on the show is I don't want to hear a lot of Patrick Mahomes and Philip Lindsay. Because like, I, I, I don't want to get like 12 Patrick Mahomes and Lindsay's and that all you guys got to listen to and then no mix-up. So that's good. We got a lot of different players here. 
And speaking of the bad, again, let's go back, let's go back to another bad one. Hey, it's Bob Harris from uh, Fantasy Sports Publications, footballdiehards.com, and you might hear me on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio on occasion. Uh, you remember back in April when Rob Gronkowski announced on the Instagram that he had met with Bill Belichick and told him he was in for 2018? Uh, Tom Brady had already chimed in as well, and all, and all the Patriots-related drama uh, we dealt with early in the year was replaced by, well, for me, Gronkphoria. Okay, maybe Gronkphoria is something only I suffer from. Okay, well, maybe me and Sigmund Bloom. Whatever the case, Gronkowski was suddenly a dominant second-round selection for me. I mean, even with his injury history, and he'd missed, like, what, 26 of the previous 96 games heading into this season, he still led all tight ends in receiving yardage and touchdown receptions since 2014. Second amongst all tight ends in fantasy points, had four top-five seasons since 2012. I couldn't pass up. And clearly, he's no longer that guy. Travis Kelsey is that guy. Zach Ertz moves up in that rotation as well. And next summer, a guy I was a total skeptic on, George Kittle, who turns out to be the quarterback-proof Odell Beckham of tight ends, moves into that same range. Sorry, Gronk. Your time's over. Of course, I made other mistakes. I mean, who passes up on $14 million he'll never get back? Oh, Le'Veon Bell does. And how could the Arizona Cardinals mess up a healthy David Johnson? Well, because they're the Arizona Cardinals, apparently. Look, I, I was wise to dial back when Deshaun Watson was the second quarterback coming off the board. And it turned out taking Patrick Mahomes as a QB2 with upside much later was fortuitous in those leagues I landed him. But that's the fun of fantasy football, even in seasons when Gronk smashes you. I love you, Bob. And there you go. There's the Gronkowski again. I told you, a lot of people were high on Gronkowski. And nobody really expected him to fall off this severe. This is similar to Jordy Nelson. When I joke and say that Jordy Nelson fell off the cliff last year, hit every rock on the way down, and then burst into a ball of flames at the bottom of the ravine, and that's where he is. Gronkowski pretty much did the same thing this year. Again, as a reminder, just be willing to move on. Draft costs, again, means nothing. Let's go back and let's be positive. Oh, you know what? Let's be positive in an interesting way with my next guest. What up, everyone? Pat Mayo here from The Pat Mayo Experience, which you might know from Jake coming on my show and making me look foolish most of the year because if you had gone along with my picks, you would be in just a world of hurt unless you made some savvy waiver wire moves, some timely trades, because if we're going to recap where we went right and where we went wrong, I'll start where, where I went wrong. Most of the places, guys like Rex Burkhead, what a dud. Alex Collins, thanks for nothing. Doug Baldwin, yeah, you were good towards the end of the season, but it didn't really come through for me. Even after you got hurt, fell down in drafts, I still bit the bullet and took you. Chris Hogan, good God, what was I doing? Anyway, the one guy I actually did get right and ended up with on all of my teams this year, because no one else really seemed to believe, but there's one thing we've learned from Pete Carroll in the past, it's coach speak, and if he really does go with someone, that's what he's thinking. Chris Carson kept falling, even when he was starting in the preseason and was announced as the starter, everyone still bought in to Rashad Penny. Even during the season, there were times when Rashad Penny would make a little bit of a resurgence or Mike Davis would come up, but whenever Chris Carson was healthy, and he wasn't healthy for all the games, but he was healthy and productive when it mattered in the fantasy playoffs. After all the other running backs started falling off the board, this was a guy that you got in the ninth round, the 10th round, the 11th round. He went undrafted in some spots because no one believed. I believed in Chris Carson, mainly because I had him on a keeper team and thought, you know what? I'm in for a penny. I'm in for a dollar. Might as well go all in here. But it's one thing we've learned about Pete Carroll over the years. When he says something, you should probably listen. Well, as it pertains to football, not outside life. Anyway, this was Pat Mayo giving you the world's worst advice in 2018. Better luck next year. How can you not love Pat Mayo? <laughs> I can just not, this is why the shows with him that I do are so much fun. Uh, you know, he, he's obviously being tongue-in-cheek in the fact that his advice does help. He does get plenty right uh, with the Chris Carson situation, and he is right uh, to talk about I told you guys I was going to bring up Rashad Penny. Well, I didn't say who it was, but I said I was going to bring up somebody later on. The Rashad Penny thing was true. I was one of the people, you guys know this, I was one of the biggest Rashad Penny truthers out there and talking about the talent. And Emory Hunt saw the talent too, and we talked about him a lot. Although, this is something to be learned, and to kind of go back to the Gronk thing and be willing to change, and that's what I was bringing up is, now, I was still too high 
on Rashad Penny because I had him as a low-end RB3 thinking he would still take over because of talent. Obviously, I didn't see the injury coming. Obviously, I didn't see him getting fat while he got injured and having to work that back off and multiple injuries after that. But all that being said is I expected his talent to take over, similar to like the Kareem Hunt situation, although Spencer Ware did get hurt last year. It still was a talent situation. Penny still has that talent. We haven't really seen it completely yet. Will it come through? Maybe not, especially with how Chris Carson's playing. But to Pat's point, and the reason I moved Penny so far down the rankings in the preseason is because you can't keep digging your heels in sometimes. Sometimes, you know, like with Pete Carroll, who is honest, <laughs> forthright about what he's going to do, it was Chris Carson this entire time. I guess he wasn't on the same page as the GM in the front office as the draft and had one, nothing to do with Rashad Penny in the first round. But these are the lessons that you learn. And sometimes we make mistakes. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Don't let it ruin your season because you don't, you're afraid of looking wrong. The same thing when it comes to trades. Don't be afraid to look wrong. We're, look, we're going through this entire list of guests I had today. Lots of rights, lots of wrongs. So let's go back out to the West Coast with somebody from NFL.com and somebody who used to work from NFL.com. What's up, everybody? Marcus Grant from NFL Fantasy Live. You know, I want to say my best call of 2018 was probably not jumping on the Royce Freeman bandwagon, although it's not as if I predicted Philip Lindsay or anything. Anyway, lest you think I think so much of myself, I will remind you that I did predict that Jimmy Graham was a lock for a thousand yards and double digit touchdowns. I mean, he was playing with Aaron Rodgers. This thing was in the bag. <sighs> Anyway, shout outs to everybody who followed along, who listened, who watched, who read all year long. Certainly appreciate it. Appreciate you, Jake, for letting me come on your show and be a part of it during the year. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus G M A R C A S G. Same thing on Instagram as well. Come find me on Facebook. Basically, I'm in more places than the law allows. And uh, you get a chance, check out the NFL Fantasy Live podcast as well. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's, and see you again in 2019. I don't want to fault Marcus too much. I didn't think it was the thousand yards. I'm not saying, oh, look, Marcus got you wrong on that one. I was high for the touchdowns. I had Jimmy Graham as a top 10 tight end because you know what? Hey, if you get 700 yards and eight touchdowns, guess what? You're top. You're actually probably near the top five as we're seeing this year, how miserable the tight end position is. Actually, you know what? This will be live. Let me check while we're doing the show right here. I'll tell you, number five tight end of the year. Oh my God, it's Jared Cook. Look, there is my point. He's got 868 yards and six touchdowns. He's the fifth best tight end, which, by the way, is a good almost 40 points in front of Trey Burton as the number six. You know what the funny thing is? Just think about that, everybody. Trey Burton was so much hype this year, and we're all, everybody. I don't know anybody who didn't have him as a top 10 and probably even top seven because of the potential we saw with the Eagles, and now that he was without the Eagles all to himself having the position and the targets. He's number six on the year. So everybody was technically wrong, but we're going to end up right in our rankings of Trey Burton as a top seven tight end because the tight end position is so miserable. So in any case, I guess that's where you can be right and wrong at the same time. But let's talk to Matt Harmon, who's not with NFL.com anymore. Now he's over at the big old Yahoo managing things over there and doing a great job over there. So hey everybody, I'm Matt Harmon from Yahoo Sports. Uh, this year was an interesting one for me in fantasy. I think I had a good mix of some bad calls, some pretty good ones. Nothing like just total home run or anything like that, and nothing that was you know super egregious or anything. But um, I think my best call probably would have to be that this was the year that a lot of the wide receivers that I have really liked for a long time uh, that had kind of disappointed really came on you know these late round guys like Tyler Lockett uh, John Brown for a half a season was a guy that you started every single week those are players that I've liked for a really long time I've, I've taken a ton of hits on them over the year people have definitely made fun of me especially for Tyler Lockett for years and years and years but you know, those guys were legit fantasy options and they were guys that you got in the double digit rounds so you're certainly not uh, hating me anymore I, at least I hope well if you do still hate me it's probably for something different and maybe deserved Maybe deserved, but those I think were my two best calls, especially the Lockett one. You know, it just the the lesson there for me is just don't let the fact that you've been burned before, like when you took him as like a sixth round pick in twenty sixteen, don't let that stuff burn you at this point. You got to let it go, move on, accept the new reality that things can change in the NFL. Um, and, and I think in terms of my worst call, 
uh, I mean, it, it would obviously be that I faded Juju Smith-Schuster really hard as a fourth-round pick. I just didn't get it. Now, obviously, I think if I was the type of fantasy analyst, and there are many out there that made excuses, I would sit here and tell you that, oh, well, I didn't expect Le'Veon Bell to be gone, and he's such a big part of the passing game. Yeah, James Conner catches passes, but he doesn't have like a, you know, 15-plus percent market share like Le'Veon Bell does. I didn't see those targets coming, but... Let's be honest. I underrated how good of a player he is. I underrated how juicy of a role that is in the Steelers' offense as that big slot receiver. So I think that's got to be my best and worst call of the season. And, you know, I'll get better. I'll learn from it. That's all I ever do. Um, in terms of how where you can find my stuff, you of course, you can use the hashtag Reception Perception on Twitter. Now that we're in the offseason, I'll be doing a ton of that content with the fantasy footballers this year. And, you know, everything that's going on at Yahoo Sports, we've got a great podcast, the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. Tons of stuff for you to check out. Follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB for what many people are saying are the best tweets out there. Have a good season, everybody. And then there's the flip side of kind of go to the Rashad Penny thing is sometimes believing in the talent. And you know what? It's not always going to hit the first year. It's not always going to hit the second year. And these turn into values. Lock it at the end of drafts. Rashad Penny is not going to be highly drafted next year, even with the hype behind him. So these are the things that you look for where maybe you see something. Maybe you have a good eye for scouting. Maybe you have a good eye for talent and changes in offenses, or whatever it might be. Maybe you see something. And maybe you see something that could eventually happen. And that's why you take these late-round flyers and stash them for a little while and say, you know what? If everything breaks right, my prediction's coming through. I'm going to hit, and it's going to be huge. And Tyler Lockett was definitely a big one. There's been a lot that Harmon's been on, especially at the wide receiver position, that have really started to come through. And sometimes it takes a little while in the NFL, especially for non-running backs. So remember that. You know, you don't always have to be wrong and move on. And for that, you know, actually, that's a good way of looking at it, too, is don't always be bitter. If somebody burned you the year before and you liked them for a reason, sometimes something went cockeyed sideways that could change and you might just be back on board next year. The best value you can find in drafts is often the player that burned people the year before. But speaking of Tyler Lockett. Hello, I'm Brandon Marianne Lee, and I am a colleague of Jake's here at The Athletic. I also write for NFL.com and CBS Sportsline, and I do videos for Fantasy Alarm. You can follow me on Twitter at BrandonHerFFB. And my best call, probably the 2018 season, is something that... Um, I think took a little bit of foresight that I'd like to discuss because other players will be in this situation next year and I want us all to learn and move forward. And that was drafting Tyler Lockett as one of my last wide receivers in my draft. According to Fantasy Pros, Tyler Lockett's overall ADP was at 148. He was the wide receiver 55, which is insane. And I will tell you why. First of all, he was still playing with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the National Football League. Yes, he doesn't throw all the time. And yet, he led the league in passing touchdowns in 2017. Yes, passing touchdowns. Ten of those touchdowns went to Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham left town. He went to the Packers. There were ten touchdowns just out there for the taking. You know who else left town? Paul Richardson. Paul Richardson is the reason why Tyler Lockett was not getting the touches that we wanted him to get in 2017. Because Paul Richardson was there and he was this deep threat, you know, kind of a flashy guy. He was able to score all these points. And Tyler Lockett was just a little more of that kind of efficient dude that's just like hanging out there. But the problem is the efficient dude who's hanging out there, yes, that's a technical term, was usually Doug Baldwin. But here's the other thing. Doug Baldwin heading into the 2018 season was banged up. We weren't quite sure he was even going to play for a little bit there. I mean, remember, we thought that maybe he'd miss the whole season. Now, Doug Baldwin has come in and he's been effective. But Tyler Lockett has been unbelievable. Nine touchdowns so far this season. If you look from weeks one through eight, only one week did he not score a touchdown. That is crazy. Now, since then, he's slowed down a little bit. Since week nine, he's only scored three touchdowns. But still, that's pretty decent, everybody. <laughs> that is definitely decent. And yes, he's not getting monster targets, and that's been a bit of an issue, and people say he doesn't like math. Well, neither does Russell Wilson, his quarterback. So really, he's just a mirror image of him. So if you have a wide receiver heading into the 2019 season who has two key players that left in the offense, and another player who's beat up and it's really just him pay attention 
especially pay attention if you can get them in the double digit rounds. And there you go. There was more proof why Lockett was a great late round pick and how to look for those players and how to look for those players that have burned people in the past or maybe didn't get the opportunity we hoped they would, but now have one in front of them. Look at those. You know, one of the reasons I like Deion Kane, the rookie for the Colts this year, was because they didn't have a true number two wide receiver. They still don't. And coming off a major injury next year, hopefully he's back to 100% and that opportunity is there if they don't add any wide receiver competition of that level. But those are the opportunities you look for, and that's how you find some of these gems. All right, we've got a few more that we have to wrap things up with. Let's do a quick hit here because apparently Scott didn't want to go too much in depth. He just told us, boom, there you go, in your face. Uh, I'm Scott Barrett uh, of Pro Football Focus. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott Barrett DFB. Uh, my best call uh, this preseason was uh, Christian McCaffrey as an easy RB1 uh, potential league winner and uh, Baker Mayfield as easily uh, the best rookie quarterback of this class and one of the best quarterbacks to come out in quite some time. My worst call, uh, Jordan Reed, who I was convinced was a league winner, uh, definitely has not been the case. Told you it was quick. <laughs> he just told you, hey, Christian McCaffrey, in your face. I was right. Baker Mayfield, just like Baker Mayfield, in your face. I was right. Jordan Reed, I'm not going to fault you too much on that one. Nobody expected Jordan Reed to play 13 games healthy and still be a disappointment. The only thing we ever asked is that Jordan Reed just be healthy. But let's get to the next one because I'm already laughing thinking about it because I heard it already. I'm going to laugh again at the end. This is Adam Azer of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Jake, you want my best call. From 2018. Well, I'm going to tell you what it is, and it's not a fantasy take because you got everybody giving you fantasy takes. Oh, yeah, I predicted this. I predicted that. How about this football take, baby? I said the Jaguars would miss the playoffs, and everybody ridiculed me. They thought I was crazy. I said Bortles. That's basically all I had to say. I thought the Jaguars would miss the playoffs, and they have done so in spectacular fashion. So I was right about that, and that was the only thing I was right about all year. So take that, Jaguars fans. You can follow me on Twitter, at Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R. But really, I'd love for you to listen to the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Happy New Year, everybody. All right, how, how is that not one of the best ones? It wasn't even fantasy-related, like Adam said. It was, the Jaguars are going to be terrible. Actually, fantasy-wise, I'll give you the spit on this. And that's, don't draft a defense early. I, I don't know how many times I've said it. The last number one fantasy defense to finish number one in back-to-back seasons was 1999, 2000. I'll wait for you to try and guess. It was the Pittsburgh Steelers. It hasn't happened since. It's not going to happen again. Like the Bears, do not draft them early next year. Even the Bears weren't a perfect defense this year. The Jaguars are the perfect example of not having a perfect defense, and hopefully you weren't one of the people that took them while there was great wide receivers and running back sleepers to stash on your bench on the board. So in any case, two more to go. Two of my favorites, somebody I used to work with and somebody that I do currently work with. Let's get to those and wrap things up. Adam Ronis from ScoutFantasySports.com here. You can check me out on Twitter at Adam Ronis, on the gram at Aaron88. And you can hear me regularly on Monday nights. Lisan does fantasy, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio from 10 to midnight Eastern and various other times on the channel. One of my best calls of the year was George Kittle. I wrote an article as part of the Scout Fantasy Sports Draft Kit saying if you miss out on the elite tight ends, the guy to target in the middle rounds was George Kittle. One of the reasons, not only is his talent, he's 6'4", 250 pounds, but we saw a glimpse of him as a rookie and he was pretty good. In, the mo- in most cases, tight ends usually take a while to develop. It's rare that you see a guy like Evan Ingram come out as a rookie, but he was more of a wide receiver anyway. But Kittle was in an offense that looked to be on the rise. Of course, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, but Kittle has still had success with several other quarterbacks. But one of the reasons that he stood out to me was, look at the way that offense was built. You had two wide receivers starting, Pierre Garçon and Marquise Goodwood, not only Injury prone with Garcon getting older and Goodwood having issues in the past with concussions. But both guys were shorter than six feet. So to me, it looked like Kittle was going to be a big red zone threat in an offense that was going to be better and have a good shot at him to score many touchdowns. And obviously, he's had a lot of big plays this year. So Kittle was one of my better calls. 
On the other side, one of my calls where I said to avoid a player, it was my bust of the year as part of our preseason pro picks on ScoutFantasySports.com, and that's LaShawn McCoy. I know everyone talks about volume, but I really thought this Bills offense was going to be terrible. I didn't see many opportunities for touchdowns, and I did think he'd catch more passes than he has, but it's been a complete disaster, and I didn't care how far LaShawn McCoy fell. I wasn't taking him, and sometimes it's about the players you avoid that can really pinpoint success in fantasy football. That wraps it up here. I hope everyone has a great new year. Again, you can find me, scoutfantasysports.com, on Twitter, at Adam Ronis, and on Instagram, at Aaron88. Have a great holiday and a happy new year. I will tell Adam one thing, and I did learn that I was way too high on LaShawn McCoy. I had him as, uh, let me double check. I'll even tell you where I had him. I had him as a mid-RB2, and mine was, hey, he, he is the offense. Well, guess what? You know, besides health, I don't even throw the health, throw the missed time out the window. Even outside of that, that team was so miserable that, you know what? Maybe you don't want a piece similar. Who, you know, Michael Salfino writes for The Athletic, too, and he says that a lot. It's like, just avoid terrible offenses. And he's right. And for majority of the season until Josh Allen's really come on late at the end of the year, you didn't want anything to do with anything in those offense. Nobody, including LaShawn McCoy, it doesn't matter if he gets 20 touches because the offense can't do anything. So lesson learned, uh, maybe LaShawn McCoy would have been fine as an RB3, but just lesson learned to myself and everybody else out there too is uh, don't make excuses for bad teams. And yeah, let's do it. Let's close things out with Chris Meany. Hey guys, Chris Meany here with you from The Athletic as well as Fantrax and the Fantasy Footballer is going to talk about a couple plays I got right this season and a couple I got wrong and I'm still burned about. But let's start with the good, shall we? FantraxHQ.com. Two of these players were in my breakout article. Let's start at the quarterback position. It was Mitch Trubisky for me. I was very, very intrigued. You bring in Matt Nagy, you sign Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller, and you just surround Mitch Trubisky with some weapons. All of a sudden, he's not passing footballs to Marcus Wheaton or Benning Cunningham or Kendall Wright or Josh Bellamy or Dontrell Inman. There was a lot of mediocre from the Chicago Bears in that offense last season, but as you see with the Rams or you saw with the Rams was, you know, just you bring in a nice coach and Sean McVay surround Jared Goff with some weapons and you see the growth in year number two. It's exactly what we saw from Mitch Trubisky. I know he's had some stinker games and I know Robinson and Miller and Gabriel and Burden have been hard to trust from a week to week standpoint, but you know, for him to be quarterback 14 right now as we head into week 16 of the season and probably going to finish as a quarterback one. I said in the article he would be a solid quarterback two. He would finish a quarterback one from time to time from a fantasy standpoint. We saw that you know, with a six-touchdown game this season. 220 yards or fewer in seven of his 12 games. He missed two. The passing has not been there. He's been inaccurate from time to time, but the rushing has been there, and that was the biggest reason I liked him. 403 rushing yards heading in, fifth among quarterbacks, and he's got three rushing touchdowns. So solid there with Mitch Trubisky. Going to be better than I thought, in fact. And George Kittle. Also going to be better than I thought. Yeah, I thought he'd be a perfect eighth, ninth round guy. Someone you could draft towards the end of your draft and and get some production of him. And to be honest, a lot of it had to do with Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, down the stretch with Jimmy last year, he was pretty solid, at least 40 yards in his final three games with Garoppolo at quarterback. But hey, even better than I thought. Tight end three on the season, third in targets and catches among the position, second in yards at the position, and doing most of his damage without Jimmy Garoppolo. He's a star in the making, and he is a for sure tight end three next season and sticking with the same team a couple guys I was right on and wrong on Marcus Goodwin Marquise Goodwin was somebody I I did not want anything to do as a fifth round pick. Two boomer busts for me and some injury issues throughout the course of his career is carried over this season, unfortunately, for Goodwin. Only 20 catches, 366 yards. A fifth round pick is this is not good enough. And I, I was like everybody else, excited about Jimmy Garoppolo and Shanahan, but you know what? I wanted Pierre Garçon a few rounds later, and that did not work out. So I was going to get burned either way with these guys. At least I didn't have to spend that high pick on Garçon. But I saw with with Shanahan, back with Shanahan, what he did in Washington with Shanahan, what he did last year in eight games, 40 catches, 500 yards. He was on pace for 80 catches, 134 targets, and and just over 1,000 yards, if not for a neck injury. But this season, again, the injuries have caught up to him. And when he played, he he did not play well. So just the one touchdown, the 24 catches, and just hanging on to him at the start of the season, waiting for him to get going, really put me behind the eight ball. So completely wrong on Pierre Garçon, and also completely wrong on Leonard Fournette, which 
cost me a higher pick and, and really put me behind the eight ball. I knew the injury history. I knew the resume dating back to LSU, his first year with the Jaguars and, and battling through some injuries of the course of his career. Only seven games this season played. Really, really frustrating. And if you managed to get by over the in the course of the season and when you needed him the most in week 14 and 15, he just totals 25 carries. So Jacksonville completely out of it. Looked like they're checked out and just looks like they're they're tanking properly. So four games or few four games this year we had fourteen or fewer carries for Fournette. Very disappointing. A shout out to Doug Baldwin and Chris Hogan who have been very disappointing as well as you know Hogan for sure. Baldwin, maybe there's an excuse with the injury. I know that popped up before the draft drafts happened most of them and he went down the draft board and I, I took a little bit of a discount there and I got burned by it but Hogan was probably the most disappointing of the duo and Robert Woods is, is to me gets a shout out because he's been not that I was on this I wasn't uh, yeah, I'll, I'll admit I he's gonna finish as a wide receiver one no way in heck I would have ever said that great value at draft day uh, in the ninth round, four catches and nine fantasy points, at least four catches and nine fantasy points in every single game besides week one, 60-plus yards in every single game besides that week one showing, and he's going to finish the season with over 80 catches and over 1,100 yards, so it's phenomenal stuff. Currently wide receiver two heading into week 16. He's going to pass Odell Beckham Jr. because he's not going to play the rest of the season, so Robert Woods, a wide receiver one. Who would have thought it if you had him? Congratulations. I'm Chris Meany. You can catch me on Twitter, at Chris Meany. Check out the work at The Athletic as well as FantraxHQ.com. going to be talking football all year long. I love the Trubisky thing. You guys know that. I said he was going to be this year's Jared Goff. I actually expected a little bit more. Granted, he missed time with injury, and that hurt because Allen Robinson missed time with injury, and the two of them not being able to connect. But a lot of good insight to the hits and misses from Chris himself. Actually, this entire show for you guys has been a lot of insight into the hits, the misses, what we were thinking, why we were thinking it, advice looking to next year of why we did these things and what we can learn to help you learn and make smarter decisions next year because that's what we're really trying to do. We're not 100% right. I've said that a million times throughout the show, and that's what this show is about. Even myself, I even put it on Twitter, like LeVar Ball, 500% accurate, never wrong, never missed, never missed a ranking every single time. Every day, all the way, in your face. Top one ranker, check the link, in your face. No, but in any case, I don't know what the hell I was doing. There's like a little mix of uh, Kevin Hart and LeVar Ball. But in any case, uh, yeah, that's, that's what we're really trying to do is even the best of us miss 30% of the time because we were predicting an unpredictable game. And that's why it's any given Sunday. That's why it's football. That's why we see the Vikings get knocked off at the beginning of the season and knock everybody out of Survivor at the same time. We're doing our best to predict. If your gut's telling you something, I tell you the guys a lot. Trust your gut. Maybe there's something you saw and you can't put your finger on. Maybe something in the back of your mind. Your gut's often right for a reason. It's not going to always be right. So when you're going to next year, listen to us. Make your own decisions. Don't rely 100% on us. If you think we're wrong, maybe there's a reason. Maybe we are, as we said so today. Maybe some of these calls that we're making that you weren't even thinking about changes your opinion and you move people up your draft board and hit the right ones like we hit. But do your job in taking what we give you and applying that to your decisions and looking into why we think these things. If somebody just tells you, hey, player X is going to be a top 10 already back this year. End of story. And that's the end of your analysis. Maybe you look elsewhere. Maybe you look for somebody that gives you a little bit more depth. Hopefully you learned a lot today. Hopefully you just enjoyed the show. It was the most guests I've ever had on because it was just guest clips bonanza. So until next week, this is the only All in Sports podcast of the week. We'll be back for the Patreon, by the way, is www.patreon.com, all in sports, slash all in sports. It's myself, Joe Pizapia, Chris Meany. If you want to check us out over there, there's multiple levels you can get involved with. One level includes the black book that we put out every single year with Joe Pizapia, his best-selling black book for football and baseball. Baseball is coming up. So if you want to go check that out, of course, again, over at theathletic.com front slash all in sports gets you 30% off. And I hope you enjoying this podcast. Five stars. Give it a re- Yeah, you don't have to give it five stars. I would appreciate it if you do. And I'll be, like I said, I'll be back next week. I hope you had a good holidays, good Christmas, hopefully a good new year. But you know what? Life is like a hurricane here in Duckburg. I'm sorry, that's all you get. That's just a little tease. Maybe I'll sing the full thing. If we ever get Victoria Justice on this show to sing it with me, I will sing the full version. We still need to make that happen. Victoria Justice, 
sing DuckTales duet with me. That's all I'm asking. I don't have to like meet up in person or anything like that. I just want to sing it together. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys next time. Have a good week. I love you all.